invite you to return to your seats. Just one reminder uh, that the Tuesday women's group is starting this coming Tuesday. They're meeting in my office downtown, um, 7.30, I believe it is, right? Yeah, 7.30. Check the email if you need another reminder. Um, but yeah, hope that some of you can make it to that. Let's go to prayer. Lord, it's prayer that often reminds us of how much we are in need, how dependent we are. It reminds us of where strength comes from. It reminds us that you are in control, that you can be trusted, that you and your word are good, that you are redeemer, that you take messes and things that are broken and you restore and you remake and you bring out good from what doesn't look good, from what's been corrupted and marred and broken. You are an artist at this. And we give you praise for the way that we see you doing it in our lives. It gives us hope for our times ahead that although all is not yet well, all will be well. And we may even say with the psalmist, I declare that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Thank you that you are that kind of God. Thank you that you constantly reveal yourself to be redeemer, rescuer, savior, healer, You are that master potter at the wheel taking a pot that is broken and restoring it. You're the one who can take all the brokenness of humanity to the cross and bring everlasting life to the entire world because this is the kind of artist that you are. You take what's wrong and you make something right. So Lord, we praise you. We enter into that as ones who say, we need this kind of God. Be that kind of God again for my brothers and sisters here, Lord. We take a moment and name some people silently before you who need you to be that kind of God for them. Lord, thank you for the whole book. Thank you for the parts that we love and find inspiring and gravitate towards because they bring us comfort. They remind us of who you are and your goodness. Thank you that there are parts of of scripture that leap out at us and we say, and, and part of us just comes out and says, yes, I need that. Thank you. And there, there, then there are parts of it that we, we're not sure about. We, don't, we, we wrestle with it. Thank you for that too, Lord. Thank you that you call your people deeper and that everything doesn't stay on the surface and that there are things that need to be probed before we, we discover the gold that's buried there. But thank you for those as well. 
And thank you for, for proverbs that say a, a rebuke is a good thing. And you're blessed if you take it well. And thank you for the parts of scripture that rebuke us. Not because you are mean or condescending, but because you are that potter at the wheel looking to make something broken into something beautiful again. And Lord, we trust you that you act in all of these ways and so much more in our lives. And each time we open the scriptures, if we are open to it. So Lord, would you make us people who can be open to your word as it comes? Knowing that you inspired this whole thing because we would need the whole thing. And we trust you. And we love you. And we're here to say yes. Lord, we say yes to you. You have our allegiance. You have our loyalty, which means you have our trust. Lead your people. Good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to play a song for you. If you grew up in the 90s and like Christian rock, well, this is going to be right up your alley. If you are, did not grow up in the 90s and you know, like country or something. This is not going to be so much up your alley, but I am going to play it for you regardless. Um, these are the lyrics. I don't have them up on the screen. And then there's a, a handout for you on the back. So can you just pass those along? And once everyone's got them, we will um, we'll play this song for you. It's, I, I want you to know up front, this song is poking fun. This song is poking fun at Christians. It's a group of Christians poking fun at themselves and maybe the crowd that they have come out of. And some of the things that they've noticed in Christian circles where maybe we just focus on positive things and things that are all about us. And uh, it's a little bit of a rebuke in a somewhat sarcastic form. And so if you, if you listen to it and read it with that in mind, you'll, you'll, it won't be hard to get the message. And then after that, we will we'll move on from here. Would you play the song for us, please? Is that going to show up on your next Apple playlist? <laughs> Spotify, yeah. So that was All-Star United, La La Land, from back in the 90s, poking fun. And also in the, the same moment, sort of illuminating some parts of ourselves if we're willing to let it read us a little bit. Why don't you take a look at the line... Um, Five, five lines down or so, says, uh, there are five happy verses or so, speaking of a Bible reading, right? I, they told me all I needed to know. We just claim five happy verses that make us feel good. And then what is he going to say? Ignore all the rest. Because we only need five. And we only need five happy ones. That's all that that's, we need to get through life, right? Ignore all the rest. All the, one, the, all the verses about trials and tests and threats to my comfort zone. <laughs> I really like the one further down where it says, all the saints and martyrs alive. So right in the middle. All the saints and martyrs alive. Well, they would have called a national strike and demanded less pain, more personal gain, if only they'd known their rights. Does it sound a whole lot like Jesus? And yet, if we're really honest, do we not in our own Bible reading 
gravitate towards the verses and the passages that are going to make us feel happy, are going to give us the boost and the boon that we need to, to just keep going. And we ignore the ones that talk about life might be more difficult coming up. I, I felt like I was on the hook with this song a little bit. So I don't know if you can relate or not. Jesus had some hard words to say. He's got many, many words that are just, yes, Lord, thank you. I needed that. I, I need abiding, right? I need his life to come to me. I need to be connected to the vine. I need to be filled with the spirit. And I, and I grab those verses all the time and I say, Lord, you said, do it. Fill me again. You said, be filled with the spirit. You said, we're friends. I claim that now. Yeah. But there are some verses around some of those that are not as happy. But they are in our best interest. He, Jesus spoke the things that we would need to hear, and some of them are challenging, and some of them are difficult. And we looked at some of them last week, and we're looking at more this week to, to remind you of where we've been over the last couple of weeks, we, we took an image from John 10. In John 10, the, the Pharisees and religious leaders, all the holiest people, the most religious people, surround Jesus in John 10 and pick up stones to stone him. And we ask the question, how will we make sure that we are inside the circle with Jesus and not around the circle? Because that's where we're... Because Jesus promises in John 15 that we will end up in the middle of the circle. He, he says in John 15, the world is going to hate you. Right? So I like John 15 at the beginning and the abiding stuff and the friendship stuff, but the friendship and the abiding were to prepare me and to prepare you, to prepare us for the fact that Jesus is saying, the world will hate you. And just like they surrounded me and persecuted me, they will do the same for you. And in fact, he goes on to say, I chose you out from around that circle and I put you into the middle of the circle. That was the purpose for my call to you. So this is John 15, verse, starting at verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. I chose you from around that circle, and I put you in the middle of the circle. I chose you out of the world. And because of this, the world hates you. And remember, I said... A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, so he's talking about persecution in this context. If they did this to me, if they put me in the middle of the circle and, and everyone else, the world was around, if they did it to me, they will do it to you. If they followed my word, they will follow yours. So let, let's pause there. Is Jesus speaking for our benefit? Do those in this room need to hear these words then? 
Okay, so we're not just going to pick our five happy verses or so that tell us all we need to know. We're not going to ignore the ones that are about trials and tests and threats to our comfort zone. Okay, we're going to enter into those verses as well to discover the gold that is underneath such that we may be prepared and always live a life that says, I will choose the middle of the circle because that's where Jesus is. And I want to be ready for that. Would you look at John 16, beginning at verse 1? Now, Jesus, in the previous verses, has emphasized the world will hate you. Those are his words. And in fact, he quotes scripture saying, I told you, I told it to you in scripture as well. They they hated me for no reason. So the context of Jesus continuing in these verses in chapter 16 is the conversation about being hated by the world at the end of chapter 15. Jesus says this, 16 verse 1, these things I have spoken to you about being hated by the world. These things I have spoken to you so that you will not be led into sin. It's a preparatory message for his people. I want you to know ahead of time that you, my disciples, are going to need to die to some things related to the world and your relationship with the world. And if, and if you do, you won't be led into sin. If you don't, you will be led into sin. That's the implication of Jesus' words. These things I have spoken to you so that you will not be led into sin. They will ban you from the synagogue. Pause there. The synagogue was not a worship service. The synagogue was the very center of the entire Jewish community. We don't have an analogy for this in our world. Okay? But, and I read this in a commentary this week, if you were kicked out of the synagogue you would lose your place in the community in such a way that it would be better for you to move to a different location. You wouldn't be able to buy food. You wouldn't be able to get work. You wouldn't be able to properly function in the society. So it would be better off for someone where they kicked out of the synagogue to, move, to relocate their entire lives. That's what's on the line here that Jesus is talking about. It's not talking about you're going you're gonna, to um, be kicked out of unity and you can go to crossroads. Right? He, he doesn't have that in mind at all. It is so much more threatening than that. They will ban you from the synagogue, yet an hour is coming when everyone who kills you will think that he is actually doing it for God. And these things they will do because they have not known the Father or known me. Okay, so let's just pause and let's think through this. I've said this to you in advance, Jesus says, so that you won't be led into sin. What's the sin? In verse 9, he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming and convicting the world. And he says that they will convict the world. He will convict the world because they do not believe in me. Yes. Yep. So that's part of it. Yep. Um, Go back to our image. The reason that they don't believe, and 
Let, let's look at it a different way. Go back to our image of around the circle versus in the circle. And then Jesus says, you're going to, you're going to testify on my account. Verse 26 of chapter 15. When the helper comes, he's going to help you to speak about me. Let, Belief, you're, you're not wrong, Lionel, but belief results in something. With what they actually believe is what will then put them either around the circle or in the circle. Because beliefs then line up with actions, okay? What would lead them to that? There's no compromise. Thank you, Renee. Why would someone compromise? Because it's easy. Fear of man, okay? Unpack fear of man. Being... There's a temptation to stay around the circle because of the cost of being in the circle. And it's compromise that sends people out. And that's where people get led into sin. They get led into sin by various forms of fear. Fear of man. But what is fear of man? It's fear of no longer being accepted by the world. It's fear of being rejected. Opposite points, right? Uh, or same point, opposite sides, right? It's a fear of the cost of being in the middle. It will cost people socially. It will cost them respectability. It will cost them deeply to identify with Jesus and say no to the majority who have gone a different way. People get led into sin often. It's, you can't write this for every single thing, but people often get led into sin by fear. And it's the fear of not speaking up. Uh, it's the sin of not speaking up. So Jesus says, I, I alluded to this a moment ago. Jesus says that he's going to send the helper at the end of John 15, and then later on in the verses that Lionel referenced, which we'll get to later next week, week after. He says, I'm going to send the helper. And the helper is going to testify on my behalf. And he's, in other words, what he's going to do is... God is going to send the Spirit to give you the words to make sure that your being, your actions, your beliefs, your, uh, everything about you lines up with Jesus. But in doing so, that puts you in the middle of the circle because God says, I chose you out of the world specifically for this purpose, that you continue to embody Jesus's witness to the world, and you're going to need help for that. That's why I'm giving you the Spirit. That's why in the passage, he's actually called the spirit of truth because my followers, Jesus says, will continue to testify to the world about the truth. We're going to need all the help that we can get. And all the help we can get is available. Right? This is a check you can cash. Right? As you face those situations that are not happy, we say, Lord... You said you would send the helper so that I could 
speak your truth and not compromise, not be led into sin by fear. Sin leads us, or fear leads us into sin. I have seen this over and over and over again in my life. Fear leads me into sin. This has been happening in our world in an ongoing way, especially over the last number of years. Let me tell you a story. When COVID hit, shortly after that, there was like this new spirit of prayer that was coming upon Unity Baptist. As we were praying more, um, as we were hungrier and more desperate and, and seeking the Lord for whatever it is that he wanted to do in our lives and in this church, we started seeing God do things we hadn't experienced before. People were getting words from God that this this was not a phenomenon that we were accustomed to. It was not part of our worship experience. It was not primarily part of our um, day-in and day-out relationship with Jesus. But God continued to do more and more of this. And as we saw God speaking and working in new ways among us, I knew we had to find a way to keep the focus on what God was doing. Now, part of um, being in leadership at Unity has always meant that the pastor and the moderator get together before a council meeting to plan and prep for the council meeting. And so Kevin and I started doing that when um, Rob McLaren left and and I became the interim um, pastor at the time. And so we we would get together. It was part of our rhythm to to get together and to um, prep for the council meeting. And as God started moving in in ways that were new to us, we said, we're going to invite Joel to come and join us because we are noticing that he he had his finger on the pulse of what God was doing in our congregation. And we wanted to make sure that we had our fingers on the pulse of what God was doing in the congregation. And so we just developed this rhythm of we would get together every month or two and mostly just talk about what's God doing here? How do we stay focused? How do we keep the main thing the main thing? And we would share stories of what God's doing. It was a very encouraging time. Uh, One time, Joel came to us with a a different message. And so, Joel, would you come up and share what it is that you shared with us? I'm going to back up a bit to give some kind of context. Um, and so some of you know this who've been at the church for a while, so I'm just going to kind of tell it as if um, that none of you know it, uh, for those who don't know it. Back in 2012, um, I, I had this practice where I, at the beginning of the year, I, I asked the Lord, Lord, where, give me a, give me a, a vision for this year. What? It's a dangerous prayer because it's, it's saying, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll do anything. Uh, s- send me, send me wherever you're going. I want to go where you're going. And uh, I got a really hard word that uh, he said, Joe, I, I want you to give away 90% of what you make 
I want you to live on 10%. I said, Lord, it's impossible. He said, I know. That's why I want you to do it. And uh, I said, okay, but you're going to have to convince my wife. I said, I'll do it. I'm in. But you got to convince my wife. He said, don't worry about it. Leave it up to me. And he said, your job is to tell her what I told you, and I'll do the rest. And uh, I went home. I, I, didn't, I didn't have much faith. But I went home, and I, I, I said, Sandra, this is, this is what I feel the Lord's calling our family. And uh, it went about as well as you think, and we'd go over. But she said she would pray about it, and she would ask the Lord. And she came back uh, a couple of days later and said, I'm in. It's from the Lord. And so we lived it. We lived it out. It was a hard call. It was, uh, it was impossible. And uh, we got real desperate. We had desperate prayers that year. We had real desperate prayers. It was, uh, we, needed, we needed prayers to eat, to pay bills. And as I'm looking out on this congregation, I think about um, some of the things it taught us that we needed to be dependent on this church. I'm looking over at Don Cartwright in the back. I remember our muffler blew a hole in it. And typically what I would do is just take it to a muffler shop and get it changed. But I had no money, I had nothing. I had no budget for that. And I had to go to Don and say, Don, can you please weld this old muffler on my van? And, uh, it was really humbling, but God was showing me that you, we need each other. We need the church. We need the gifts of the church. We need people in the church. And we live in an individualistic culture that says, just go do it yourself, go pay it yourself. But I, I needed to humble myself and say to Don, Don, can you fix this? And Don was probably thinking, this piece of crap, just go get a new muffler. But he fixed it. He used his gifts and his talents and the, the abilities that God gave him, and he fixed it. But it taught me that I needed to depend on, on, the, on the church, the way God designed the church. So we fast forward to 2021, and I do the same dangerous prayer. I say, Lord, all right, where, where are we going? Where are you going? I'm going with you. And uh, it was another hard word. It was even harder than, than 2012. And he said, but I, I prepared you and your family for this in 2012. You'll be able to sustain this, this cost because of what, what, what I prepared you for back then. What I prepared you for, you were able to walk in this. What you did then, the desperation you walked in then, you're going to walk in now. And it's going to cost you. Um, I had no idea. I, I knew something was coming. Um, when that bill came that later that year, it was going to cost me everything to, to obey the Lord. Uh, it was overwhelming. And I, it's during these times, these desperate prayers, I would never pray these desperate prayers in front of you guys. They're, it's embarrassing because I feel like a beggar on the street shaking God down. But I, I hear him so clearly when I'm in that state. I'm shaking him down. And I shook him down and I said, Lord, I need to hear from you. 
This is going to cost me. Everything I've worked for, it's going to cost me. I need a word from you. And this is what he gave me. And this is what I'm going to give it to you the way he told it to me. And I'm going to tell you guys the same way that God told me. When I had to go tell my wife a hard word, he said, just tell him. Just tell her what I told you and I'll do the rest. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell you what God told me. And I'm going to let the spirit confirm it in you guys. I saw a vision. I, as I begged in a prayer, I saw a vision and there was two men standing in a field and they were having a conversation. And the conversation got interrupted by one of the men saying, did you hear that? Did you hear that whistle? That whistle that just interrupted our conversation. Did you hear that? And the guy across from him says, I didn't hear a thing. I don't know what you're talking about. And the guy says, that's weird. I heard it clear as a bell. And they continue talking. And again, the guy says, that's it, right there, that whistle. I heard that whistle. You had to have heard it. And the guy says, I don't know what you're talking about. I heard nothing. And the two parted ways, the one who didn't hear the whistle, thinking the guy who hears the whistle is crazy. I didn't hear nothing. And the guy who heard the whistle is walking away saying, am I crazy? I know what I heard. I know what I heard. And that's, that's the answer he gave me when I prayed in desperation, Lord, you have to explain what you're telling me. With a reference. Um, the cost um, that I was referring to was uh, it was going to cost me my career and my job. I, uh, I was almost to the peak of where I wanted to be. I could see it. I was going to be set for life. And so I was really, really desperate. And uh, after he gave me the whistle, I said, Lord, this is... Uh, this is tough. Um, there was a movement at the time where there was pressure by the world to get vaccinated. There was a problem that society had that they said, this, this is the answer. This is the solution. But that's not what the Lord was telling me. There was a deeper problem and there was a deeper solution, but none of those were it. There was huge pressure. And I wanted, I wanted to just do what everybody else was doing. I wanted to keep my job. I wanted to keep peace and relationships, just go along with everything. But the Lord just said, no, you're not. I'm holding you back. And I said, why, Lord? I said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll just... I'll just go along with it, but, but I'll... This is what he told me. I'm just going to tell you exactly what he told me, word for word. He said, stick up for these people. They're not the problem. And so that was my call. Because at that time, that, that, that's, what, that's what the world was saying. These people are the problem, and this is what they need to do to fix the problem. And Jesus told me, they're not the problem. Stand up for them. That's the God we serve. The people in the circle, he said, they're not the problem. 
you stick up for them. Even if it costs you, you stick up for them. And so I obeyed because I feared the Lord. Because he told me that, and I feared the Lord more than I feared people. And I fear man just as much as anybody sitting here. But I feared the Lord in that moment. When he said, you stand up for them, those were my marching orders. And it was a hard word. I'm not going to lie. Um, and then he said, this is for everybody. And, and that, that's when he said, go weigh it with your leaders. Go give them, go tell them what I told you, and I'll do the rest. Thanks, Joel. So he brought it to me and Kevin at one of our meetings. And we lived out the parable because Joel said, I'm hearing something that's going on in the culture right now. Do you hear this whistle? The way that the culture is handling COVID. And I was the guy who said, nope, I don't know what you're talking about, Joel. But I knew Joel had enough of a track record that I didn't immediately dismiss it. And so what we, what we did is we just, you know, we set the next date for our meeting and we get together a month later. And we get together a month later specifically, and this is on the top of my list of things to talk about. We're going to talk about this whistle word that you gave us. And as always happens when you get together with people, you, you sit down, you small talk, you catch up, you order your food, and then eventually you get down into the, the business. And when we got to the whistle, and I said, so Joel, can you tell us anything more about this whistle thing? What is it that you're hearing? I'm not hearing it. A train whistle blew that we heard. Well, that's interesting. I don't know what to do with that because I, I'm still not hearing what you're talking about, but I can't deny what I just heard there. We have a conversation. It doesn't go anywhere. We set a date for the next meeting. We get together a month later, have our small talk, order our food, get to the whistle, and a train whistle blows again. Well, now God has my attention. I don't know what to do with what I have been told because I'm going the way the world is going with COVID. And I'm leading out of that. Do you know how many times a train whistle has now blown in the middle of a conversation about that prophetic word? Eight or nine times. but that won't help you to hear the reference. I couldn't hear it. I just could tell that God was lining things up in such a way that I needed to pay attention to it. So I took it to the Lord in prayer, repeatedly. Lord, what's going on with this? I got a few things, not too much. And then one day I'm preaching a sermon, Unity, and I, I use this phrase, I lifted it from a pastor in Ontario named John Thompson, who talks about the difference between a discipline and a gift. For example, some of you are going to have the gift of hospitality. But all of us need to be hospitable. And if we don't operate out of the gift, we are still going to have to operate out of the discipline of showing hospitality. And I use that in the sermon. Gift versus discipline. 
And Joel comes up to me afterwards and says, if you can't hear the whistle because you don't have the gift for it, you can develop the discipline. Use my sermon against me. So I had to, I realized at that point, I had to do more than pray. I had to develop ears to hear something going on in the culture I was currently deaf to. Ears to hear. Do you know how many times Jesus uses that term in scripture? Ears to hear. If let anyone with ears listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches, he says that, he uses that phrase, let anyone with ears to hear. I believe 14 times in scripture. This is one of Jesus' favorite sayings. The point of the saying is everyone currently has ears, but not everyone recognizes the message coming through them. But if you don't, you can get ears to hear. That is always the purpose of Jesus using that phrase in Scripture. It is an invitation to recognize something you don't currently recognize, but you have to pursue it. And I was now on the hook because my sermon got used against me. And so I started digging and praying. And as I was doing that, what I discovered I had to do was create a confession list. And the more that I started realizing I have something to confess around the way that I interpreted the things going on in COVID, participated in the things going on in COVID, the more that I humbled myself and created this, I have a list of things to repent of, I have a list of things to confess, and I have now a list of people I need to apologize to, the more the ears to hear came. So I have been both guys in that parable. One who hears the whistle and the one who doesn't. But I can tell you that just like Jesus says, let anyone with ears to hear, hear. That just like that's an invitation, this one is as well. It'll be up to you whether or not you pursue that. What I will do next week is share my confession. I know some of you are struggling with this. Can we listen to the whole word? Because this is part two of probably three, at least. And then weigh it together and have conversations. This didn't divide us. I, I, I think you guys pick up how much I love this guy didn't divide us. Part of developing the discipline was also having a conversation with someone I loved about it. Okay. Almost everyone who has heard an audible whistle while talking about the whistle is in leadership at Unity, either present or past. It's a word for the congregation. I am not promising you that there will be any more audible whistles. Not at all. I am promising you that if you go through, you seek the Lord, 
You ask him, you do the discipline thing, you enter into repentance, you make some things right with some people, I'm reasonably sure you will have more ears to hear that whistle and you'll move from one guy in the parable to the other. It's quite important, actually. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that every word from you in your word, your scriptures, and any prophetic words that are given from you have a heart of of love and kindness, even when at times they are corrective as well, because you are that artist, that artist redeemer, that artist potter who reshapes, and, and it's never to throw the pot away. It's to make your beautiful creation more good and more beautiful. And sometimes that, that involves our, our saying, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for putting your finger on something. Lord, as, as we invite you to put your finger on something, would you, would you just make us willing participants in the process of interacting with you over what we, what we think you're saying to us? Would you guide my brothers and sisters in weighing a word? I thank you that we are in a passage in which we are told repeatedly that we get the helper. And I pray blessing upon blessing over my brothers and sisters here with interacting with the helper that we might more fully align with your purposes in the world for what you are calling us to, for the way that you designed us. We we need help. Thank you that you anticipated that we would need help and you send the helper. Thank you that you invite us into abiding, ongoing, interactive, two-way friendship relationship. Thank you that we we get to draw near and you promise to draw near to us. Thank you that we get to come to you and say, Lord, I want to be a branch on that vine and stay connected to my Jesus because that's where there's life. And we need your life. Lord, would you make us people who will walk in step with your spirit that we may please you. I bless my brothers and sisters with the peace of Christ, with that that verse that Megan quoted earlier, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, may all of the words that are mine and Joel's, that are simply stuff we brought from ourselves and don't reflect or accurately reflect your heart. I pray that you just remove that stuff, that that, that, would, that, that that would move out into the parking lot and stay there. But that the stuff that's from you may find good soil. You bless your people, Lord. We love you. Amen. Can we maybe just do one song? Thanks. Bless you, friends. Thank you for your patience. 
Uh, we'd appreciate it if you could help us with getting chairs back together, getting ourselves out here about 25 minutes from now, 15, 20 minutes from now. So no, you've got time. 20 to 25 minutes from now, we could use your help. Until then, happy to pray for anyone who wants to pray or interact.